Hey everyone, welcome to Good Wolf Radio. It's Jerry Scarlato, founder and fitness coach of Thrivology in Alexandria, Kentucky. Today, we're going to be talking about calories. The next couple of episodes will cover, cover the topic of calories. Specifically, we're going to talk about calorie counting. Um, now, there's a whole lot that goes into the idea of calories. This conversation will lead into many conversations down the road about calories out. Today, specifically, we're going to be talking about primarily calories in. <laughs> Sorry, I have to laugh because John is behind the camera trying to be super quiet, <laughs> taking off her jacket because it must be warm in here. Um, so I just told on her anyway. Um, so here we are talking about calories. Calories uh, is an, a very important topic to talk about for a number of reasons because calories play such an important part or I'll say such a prevalent part, I guess, in our idea about nutrition and what equals good nutrition, specifically or mostly when it comes to weight loss. So when we talk about calories or when we talk about calorie counting, we're either trying to lose weight, gain weight, or maintain weight. And most people who count calories are most people, not all, but most are trying to lose weight. That's their main goal. Um, most people, so the weight management equation plays out something like this. Calories in minus calories out equals whatever you're trying to accomplish. So if you take in 5,000 calories, you put out 5,000 calories over the course of a 24-hour period. That's a lot of calories. I don't know why I use that as an example. Um, and they're even, 5,000 in, 5,000 out then you will, you will maintain weight over time. Conversely, if you take in 5,000 calories and you only burn, say, 4,000 calories, then you're taking in more than you're putting out and you will gain weight over time. And then the other part of that equation is the weight loss part. If you're taking in 5,000 and you're burning 6,000, then you're in a calorie deficit and you should, therefore, lose weight over time. Okay, so that is the weight management equation, if you will, that most of us use when it comes to trying to achieve our health and fitness goals, again, mostly in the context of losing weight. So the question is, is this true? Is that equation true? Meaning calories in minus calories out will get you to whatever you're trying to accomplish. Is that equation true? And in order to understand if that is true, we have to talk about a few things. The first thing we have to talk about is what is a calorie? So the, the term calorie actually is very confusing. There are two types of calories technically. We only talk about one type, luckily, and not two because that would be extra confusing. So there is big C or capital C calorie and there is lowercase c calorie. Lowercase c calorie is the amount of energy it takes to increase one gram of water by one degree Celsius. One gram of water by one degree Celsius. A capital C calorie, which is our calorie, is the amount of energy it takes to increase one kilogram of water one degree Celsius. This is technically called a kilocalorie or a kcal. So if you've ever seen kcal next to or on a nutrition label or in some other context, that's what that means. It means kilocalorie, 
because it is, a, it is raising a kilogram of water versus a gram of water, which is what a small c calorie is. So from here forward in this episode, and like I said, in all contexts that you're generally talking about calories, we're going to be talking about the big C calorie, kilocalorie, which is the amount of energy it takes to increase one kilogram of water by one degrees, uh, by one degrees, one kilogram of water, one degrees Celsius. Okay. So that's what a calorie is. It's literally energy. Whenever you're eating any kind of food, it's, it's energy. It's, it's what your body uses and needs in order to allow you to function. Calories are measured by a thing called a bomb calorimeter. It has a different, fancier, more scientific name than just bomb. It's like constant energy calorimeter or something to that effect. I'm sure that's way off. But anyway, bomb calorimeter is generally what it's called. And the way that it is measured, the way that calories are measured, calories of any food that you have ingested is a, a piece of food. So the bomb calorimeter is a, a decent sized apparatus. And there's a little container that is the bomb that a bit of the substance is put into the container. That smaller container is sealed, which is then put into another container, which is the whole apparatus, which is filled with water. Now, this is a very basic explanation of this, and I only, I, I understand it to a degree. So please, if you are a person that does bomb calorimetry, I understand this is a very basic explanation, but this is what I'm putting together. Uh, so the bomb goes inside of another container, which is filled with water. Okay. That bomb is ignited, meaning the substance inside of the bomb is burnt, ignited. That creates heat within the bomb, and the bomb gives off heat to the water. The water, the change in temperature from that base temperature that it, was, it started to, to the temperature that it raises to based on the heat that the bomb gives off, that is the calories that it takes to increase the temperature of the water. Okay, so the bomb is inside of the water. The substance inside of the bomb is ignited. That creates heat, which then is transferred to the water. That change in temperature of the water is, it is then converted into the amount of calories it takes uh, to make that increase possible. Okay, did you get all that? If you didn't understand it, it's quite all right. It's not important. There's not going to be a test at the end of this. The important thing is that you understand how calories are figured out. That's important. So basically, when a calorie on the back of a package, when you see that, that calorie amount was figured out through that process. So we can go back to a question, are all calories equal? So when we talk about calories in versus calories out, is that equation right? Technically, that equation is yes, correct. Because from strictly a bomb calorimetry standpoint, all calories are exactly the same. Doesn't matter where that calorie comes from. A calorie is a calorie. It is, they are uh, the same. Equal is not the right word. I would say they are the same. 
There's a big difference though. All calories, or should I say, yes, all calories are not created equal. So this line right here, this black or white line of calories are the same or calories are not the same, it ends right here. Calories fit into a gray scale because the human digestive system is not a bomb calorimeter. It is not a sealed apparatus that it can, you, you combust your food and then that is, that is that. That is what a bomb calorimeter is and that's how calories are measured, but that is not the human digestive system. The human di digestive system is much more complex. Every human being is different. Yes, our biology is primarily the same, but still every human being is different. So every human being interacts differently to every food. Um, and there are a whole host of different things that go into how your body interacts with the calories that you ingest. So um, we're going to go over some of those things today so that we can start to understand the calories in versus calories out equation. Yes, that equation is correct technically. Calories in should be less than calories out if we want to lose weight. We need to be in a calorie deficit technically if we want to start to trim down. If we want to put on weight, we need to be in a calorie surplus. It's, it, it is, that is correct. But there are lots of things that play into that calorie number. So when we look at a nutrition label, what we're looking at are a couple of things. Of course, number one is calories. That's the big number at the top. And that's okay. I mean, that's an important thing to look at. We have the nutrients in there. Mostly macronutrients are the ones that we pay attention to. Carbs, which make up four calories per gram. Fats, which make up seven calories per gram. And protein, which makes up four calories per gram. The other nutrient I'm going to throw into this conversation because it's going to play a part in a later topic is alcohol. Alcohol has seven calories per gram as well. And so if you're drinking any kind of alcohol and you don't see a nutrition label on it, it is not because it is calorie free, just so we're sure. So um, on a nutrition label, we have calories, we have nutrients. Like I said, a carb is four calories per gram, a fat is seven calories per gram, and a protein is four calories per gram. And then we have ingredients, okay, down at the bottom of the label. Now, ironically, and this isn't a conversation around packaging per se, ironically, the more important part of a package probably maybe not the most important, but I'd say the most important, the more important part of that nutrition label is the ingredients. If you start with the calories and then you work your way down, you may not be utilizing a nutrition label as well as you can. And here's why the calorie number, number one can be anywhere from like 20 to 30% off. In other words, if it says it has a hundred calories, it could potentially have uh, per serving, excuse me, 100 calories per serving. It could potentially mean it really has 130 calories per serving or that it has 70 calories per serving. 
generally speaking, they're going to deviate down. So if anything, it's probably higher than what it actually says on there. And understand, for the most part, I don't, I'm not usually the kind of person that buys into um, uh, conspiracy theories, although they're interesting, certainly. I don't think that this is a conspiracy per se. Um, like, it's, there's just a deviation in, in size, and sometimes it can be, it can, even though the volume is kind of the same, I don't know, I guess sometimes it can, the calories can just burn differently. So they're allowed this 20 to 30% deviation. Companies are just allowed that change. With each gram on the nutrition label as well, they're allowed a little bit of a deviation. I think it's like half a gram, maybe even a gram for some things. I'm not 100% sure. I know for trans fats, if there's half a gram of trans fat in a serving of a food, it doesn't have to be on the label, but there's that's still half a gram of trans fat that's there. And since trans fats are definitely related to bad health outcomes, I think that's important to know that it's there. Um, nonetheless, that's the same with all of the other nutrients on there. They can deviate. There's a deviation in there somewhere. So the calories is what we're talking about today. And like I said, that can be a 20 to 30% deviation. We can be kind and say it's 20%. So again, if there are 100 calories on the nutrition label, it could potentially actually be 120 calories. So to start, when you're looking at a label, you may already be off. You may already be 20% off just from looking at if all you're doing is paying attention to the calories. That's one thing that impact that could impact your calorie consumption by just being thrown off by the label. And like I said, I don't think that this is a conspiracy kind of thing. It's just, it's what the USDA allows. It, they allowed a little bit of a deviation, and that's generally just because of through the testing, I don't know, process, like there can be a deviation. So we can be kind and say, okay, we understand why you're allowed this deviation, and we don't think that it's a conspiracy. Okay. For those of you not watching the video, I took a drink out of my Thrivology cup and I paused for a second with a big smile. I'm going to make that a habit from now on just because it's funny. Um, anyway, moving on. The next thing that can impact calorie consumption is the processing of the food. So I'm sure that like being against processed food is a very trendy thing right now. And, and for, good, for good reason, excuse me, now I'm stuttering because I've had some coffee today, so I'm going to slow down. For good reason, being um, not having processed food in your diet as much as possible is, is going to be beneficial, and we'll get to that in a second. But the truth of the matter is all, all food that we eat is processed. Every single bit of it is processed to some degree. The only question is where, is it, where does it sit on the spectrum? So an almond, for instance, it has to come out of the shell. That's processing technically. It has to be pulled from the tree. That's processing technically. So everything is processed. Way on the other end of this, uh, potato chip, I think we understand that that's processed. I think we totally get that. But I don't think many of us correlate the idea of an almond or chicken breast or something to that degree being processed. So everything is processed. The only question is, 
how much is it processed? Um, for all foods, generally speaking, the more processed it is, the, the more calories that are going to be available. Meaning, uh, if you take a chicken breast, and let's say that the chicken breast serving is 100 calories uncooked. When you cook it, you're going to get more calories out of it. Your body, your body's going to utilize more calories. So uncooked, it's going to be 100 calories, but cooked, you may get 130 calories out of it. So this processing allows our bodies to extract more nutrients from our food. This was a major turn for our ancestors. When we were hunter-gatherers back in the day before we knew what fire was, and all we did was ate nuts and berries, uh, which is totally fine, um, we didn't eat any meat because we didn't know how to cook it. Eating raw meat, I'm sure many of our ancestors maybe did, but I can't imagine they did it often unless they were like totally desperate, which probably happened a lot. Um, nonetheless, once fire was available and we were able to process our food, then we see another big shift in, in uh, the development of human beings because we were able to get more nutrients out of our food because of processing, because of cooking it. So you can imagine taking a, a real food substance, such as a potato, grinding it down, tearing it apart, putting it back together as this flaky chip, that process allows that, excuse me, allows those calories to be more readily available. So if it's 100 calories per serving, you may be actually utilizing a lot of those calories, which I think you understand. Um, it says 100 calories on there. Uh, whereas on the other end of that spectrum, if it's an almond and the almond is 100 calories per serving, you may not utilize all of those calories. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because we're going to talk about calorie availability here in a second. But nonetheless, that processing allows you to extract more nutrients. Your body utilizes more nutrients the more processed a food is. So it is the ultra-processed types of food that we should really be talking more about or being more specific about when we say we need to cut back on processed foods. It's not that you need to cut back on processed foods. It's the level of process that the food is. I like to call these frankenfoods because they are not foods. They're just things that were food at some point, and now they've been turned into some other thing that looks like that is now called a chip or a cracker or whatever, whatever other kind of frankenfood that you might be eating. So without diving down that rabbit hole too much, uh, there was a study in 2019, just to kind of like clarify this point. There was a study in 2019, uh, 20 participants for, uh, it was a four-week-long study. Sorry, I'm blanking for a second. The study was four weeks long. There were 20 participants. For two weeks, the participants ate a, an ultra-processed diet. And for two other weeks, this, the participants ate a more whole food diet. During the two weeks where they ate an ultra-processed diet, their calorie, so they were able to eat whatever they wanted to eat, basically. That was the study. Let's see how much they eat and let's see what happens. 
during the two weeks that they ate an ultra-processed diet, two weeks, 14 days, they ate on average 500 more calories a day, on average 500 more calories per day, on average they gained two pounds during that time frame, during that two weeks. When they had less processed food, more whole food, they lost on average two pounds. So the ultra processing of the food makes it much easier for you to eat more of it because the signal that you are hungry is not there as fast. The signal that you should stop eating is not there as fast because your body assimilates it much faster. Whereas with a chicken breast or with an apple or with celery, I'm not saying that those are the only things you should eat, but just understand with those things, your body has to put lots of effort and time into doing that. So it tells you that you're fuller much quicker. So that's another reason why uh, how calorie consumption can be changed. It says 100 calories on it, but based on the processing of the food, you may use more or less. This idea is technically called calorie availability. Now let's talk a little bit more about that real quick. The calorie availability of a food is also based around whether it has carbs, proteins, or fat. And I'm also going to throw alcohol in there. We'll talk about that a little bit. So you burn energy a couple of different ways. And we'll talk more about this in the calories out portion of this conversation, um, which will be a different series in and of itself. One of those ways is through the thermic effect of food. That technically means the energy that you burn when you're di while you're digesting food. It's literally like when you eat things, you still are burning calories. You have, to, you have to digest it. You have to do a lot of processes in order to make that happen. And therefore, you burn calories as you're digesting food. It's called the thermic effect of food. Um, on average, your daily thermic effect of food, or TEF for short, your daily thermic effect of food is 5 to 15% of your daily energy expenditure. Your daily energy expenditure is literally the number of calories or the amount of energy you burn in a 24-hour period. So the thermic effect of food can be 5 to 15% of that. Now, part of that is based on if you're eating more processed or less processed foods, because the more processed they are, the less energy you have to put into them. Part of that is also based on the nutrients of the food. Fat, for instance, has a 97% availability, meaning you're going to utilize 97% of the calories of a fat. Carbs have 90 to 95% availability, meaning based on the complexity of the carb, the less complex, meaning sugar, things that are termed simple carbs, are going to be more available, probably closer to that 95%. You're going to use 95% of those. If they're more complex, oats, fruits, vegetables, things along those lines that we deem as complex carbs, those are going to be more in the range of 90% availability, meaning our bodies are going to use about 90% of those calories. 
Um, if we move down the scale, alcohol is 70, I'm sorry, 75 to 80% available. So we utilize 75 to 80% of the calories in alcohol. And then protein is 70% available. So we utilize on average about 70% of the protein that we ingest. So as you can see, if you've ever noticed that many diets, many weight loss diets, excuse me, are high in protein, on average, most of them are, the keto diet, high in protein, carnival diet, all protein pretty much, Atkins diet, high in protein, uh, I can't think of many more. There's lots of them out there. A lot of them, not all of them, but most of them are high in protein. Part of that reason is because of this, the thermic effect of food. So your body only utilizes about 70% of the protein that you intake. That also means that when you eat that, when you eat protein with a meal, with a meal that has carbs, has fats, has anything else, that also means that it's slowing down the digestion of that of everything else that you're eating with it. So if you have, say, um, I don't know, just you sit and have some potato chips at night, which a lot of people do. If you do that, that's that you're going to utilize 95% of those calories because all you're basically having is the potato chips, which is the carbohydrates from the potato and then the fat that it's cooked in. So you're utilizing between 95 and 97% of those calories. If simply you just have, <laughs> this is, people are going to go, this is nuts. Maybe not nuts. If you have a chicken breast and then you have your potato chips, it will slow down the processing of those potato chips and you won't utilize them as much. So therefore it will not affect your waistline as much. I'm not telling you that you need to, that, like this is how you trick your body, but this is also kind of how you shift that, how you can slow that down. A just a small change like that, or even broccoli, like have a handful of broccoli and then have those potato chips. Eating the broccoli with the potato chips is going to slow that process down. So when it comes to the overall impact of a meal, there are two major deter determinants of the thermic effect of that meal, meaning there are two major determinants. There are lots of determinants, but the, there are two important determinants, the two most impactful ones based on or, or that will determine how much energy you burn with that meal. And those two determinants are number one, the calories in the meal. So the more calories alone that you eat in a meal, the more energy it's going to take to do that. that. I think that makes sense for all of us. If you eat a 100-calorie meal, body doesn't have to do a whole lot. If you eat a 1,000-calorie meal, it has to do a lot more. The second determinant, the most impactful determinant, is the amount of protein in the meal. So again, going back to our example of having a chicken breast with your, baked, with your potato chips, if you have the chicken breast, it's going to increase the thermic effect of that meal, and therefore the potato chips won't have as much of an impact. Now, please, I'm not telling you this is how you make sure that you keep eating your potato chips. <laughs> but if, if you're trying to make some small change, this might be a small change that you can make to help impact your progress. Okay? 
So alcohol, I mentioned alcohol in here and how alcohol has a 75 to 80% the phone. You'll have to excuse spam is calling probably. Uh, yeah, John was like, yep, it's spam. Um, alcohol has a 75 to 80% availability, meaning it's actually better quote unquote than fat and carbs. As far as like the energy that you're utilizing from it, you're utilizing less energy from it. So technically it's slowing down the processing of other foods that you're eating with it. Technically, I guess that would be true, but here's the thing with alcohol and, and here's what I'll say about all liquid calories in general. When you eat, I'm sorry, when you drink anything that is not water or black coffee or regular tea, that is calories on top of the calories that you are already eating. The same goes with alcohol. Any, all of that al alcohol is calories on top of the calories that you're eating. But here's the thing about alcohol. Your body sees alcohol as a toxin. So when you eat food and you drink alcohol with your food, your body wants to first get rid of the alcohol. So if you're eating an excessive amount of food and drinking a moderate to excessive amount of alcohol, it's going to prioritize the alcohol and getting that out of its body. It's got to do something with the food in the process. And so most of the time it will store that it'll store it away instead of processing it like it normally would if alcohol weren't present. So that's why alcohol thinking of alcohol as something that slows down the process of food and therefore bur burning more calories is probably not the most effective way to think about it because we generally don't make that decision. Generally we have alcohol with food. If all you're doing is drinking alcohol, then it's a different conversation. Again, I'm not telling you like go drink all kinds of alcohol and you'll be fine as long as you're not eating food with it. That's going to be another series in and of itself, but it makes sense that if you're going to drink alcohol, don't have as much food, if any. And if you would rather have cake, don't have as much alcohol, if any, because the them together is going to lead to a place where your waistline probably will end up getting bigger. Your other markers of health will probably end up skewing toward more toward the unhealthy side. Okay. So that's just a side of side conversation on um, how alcohol impacts that whole equation. All right. The last part of this that I'd like to talk about. So we've talked about nutrition labels. We've talked about food processing and how food processing the more processed a food is, the more calories you're going to extract from it. We talked about calorie availability and the thermic effect of food and based on the nutrient content of the food, how many of the calories you're going to utilize. The last thing that is worth talking about when it comes to calories and what affects calorie consumption is meal timing. And by meal timing, I mean two things. The first one is literally the timing of your meals throughout the day. So going back to when we were hunter gatherers and as we were developing as human beings, we needed to be able to be active during the day and we needed to mostly rest at night because if we were active at night, that's when predators were out and lions and tigers and bears are much more deadly to us, were much more deadly to us then than they are now because now we have guns and I'm not 
condoning that. Please don't misconstrue that. But nonetheless, back then we didn't have guns. We had like stones and sticks. So we wanted to be inside at night. Not that there was much inside, but we wanted to be safe at night and we wanted to be out during the day. Because of that, our bodies, this is called our circadian rhythm. If you've heard the term circadian rhythm, um, our bodies go through this rhythm. And the rhythm generally is in the morning is when our bodies want to be up and active. During the day is when our bodies want to be up and moving around and active. And at night is when we want to be resting. Our metabolism follows this sequence. In the morning, our bodies, our hormones and stuff are moving and raging and doing all these things in order to get us up and going and moving. During the day, the same idea is going on. And at night, they start to taper off or they change and shift toward resting and digesting, if you will. So timing is very important. Generally speaking, the closer toward the morning you can shift the bulk of your calories, the better off you're going to be from a weight management standpoint and from a weight loss standpoint. To help support this, I'll refer to another study done in 2013. This was a study of 420 individuals. This was 20 weeks long. So over the course of 20 weeks, basically all these, all the study did was give them weight loss education information. I think it was based around the Mediterranean diet, um, but, and then tracked their food and tracked their food timing. So what they found was over the course of the 20 weeks, on average, their calorie consumption was about the same. Their nutrient consumption was about the same because they were all getting the same information. So a lot of these 420 people were making, you know, decent changes. It sounds like calories were about the same. Nutrient consumption was about the same. Outside of that, the biggest difference was their timing. When was their, when were their biggest meals on average, the ones who ate most of their food at or before around three o'clock, not all of their food, but most of their food at or before around three o'clock lost on average about two and a half more pounds than the group who did not, the others who did not. And this was, they were split. I, if I remember correctly, they were split right about down the middle. So about half of them ate more of their food afterward or after three and about half ate more of their food before three. Now understand this isn't all of their food, but most of their food. So two and a half pounds isn't a, a significant amount over the course of 20 weeks, but it is still an amount. It is still more. So if, if you can start to shift your food, your timing more toward earlier in the day and less toward later in the day. And by later in the day, I don't necessarily mean like uh, you can't eat after seven or eight. It depends mostly on like when you go to bed on average. So if on average you go to bed at like 10 o'clock, you want to stay away from around the time that's about three hours before you go to bed because you're shifting into rest and digest mode. It's not a perfect number there, but it should be around there. Keeping most of those calories at the beginning of the day is going to help. This isn't going to be the only thing, but it's going to help with weight management and uh, with weight loss. So that's one part of meal timing. The other part of meal timing is literally, and this is a little more intricate, but literally the, <laughs> uh, 
how, what am I trying to say? Like the order in which you eat the food that's on your plate. So if you have a protein, a carb, and a fat on your plate, which a lot of us are eating them either together or in a processed way, but if you have them apart, you have a chicken breast and a baked potato and some almonds on your plate, remember, protein is the slowest digesting of them. So if you eat the protein first and then have, say, the carbs and then have the fat, so that's the order in which they are slowest to fastest. Protein is digested the slowest. Carbs are in the middle. Fats are digested the fastest. If you do that order, then you will extract less calories out of the meal than if you ate the fats first and then the carbs and then the protein. Because the protein technically is slowing everything down, if you will. I know that seems goofy, but it is the way that it is. Even better would be if you had whole foods with your meal. So the almonds may not be a great example because that is a whole food. So that might be a good thing to eat first, but even better would be like a, an uncooked vegetable, um, broccoli, peppers, celery, carrots, anything like that, that will definitely slow your processing down and definitely have a huge impact on how many of those calories that you utilize in that meal. Okay. So that's the other part of calorie timing that is worth thinking about. All right. Uh, man, we talked about a lot today. I think we went a little longer than usual, but I think it was good information to cover. Let's do a very quick summary. We'll talk about some questions, um, and then we'll wrap up. So first a calorie is the amount of energy it takes to, to convert one or to raise one kilogram of water, one degree Celsius which is measured in what's called a bomb calorimeter. I'm not going to go through that process again. Here's the main things that, that impact your calorie consumption and why it's challenging to really track calories. Uh, first, nutrition labels can be off 20 to 30%. If it says 100 calories, it's, it's probably not uh, actually 100 calories. Number two, the amount that the food is processed. If it's processed more... If you just got a shake, if you're watching the video, Jana is angry <laughs> and now she's making noises and turning phones on. Number two, uh, food processing. The more the food is processed, the more calories you're going to extract out of it. Uh, meal timing, also a very important part. The earlier in the day that you eat, uh, the better off you're going to be because your metabolism is primed and naturally wants to be more active during the day. Also, if you eat your protein source first in a meal, it's going to slow the calorie uh, availability down. Speaking of calorie, avail calorie availability, I'm talking too fast. Um, based on the nutrient level of the meal, you will get a bigger or less thermic effect out of the meal, meaning you will burn more or less calories and utilize more or less calories. Okay. I understand there was a lot in there. It is worth you going back and picking through this information. I tried to slow it down so that I was making sense. There's a lot in there, so but it's it's worth listening to again. Calories, counting calories is a very challenging thing. This is just a handful of reasons why it's challenging. Not that it's useless. Please understand, still very useful. 
because awareness is important and counting calories can bring you aware to how much you're actually eating. Um, so it's not, I, by no means am I saying it's useless, it's just challenging. So we're gonna talk more about other things um, with calories at the next episode. Let me wrap up with some questions. First, how much am I relying on calorie counting? If you are the a person who has tried that kind of thing or are doing that kind of thing, again, it's great. It, it helps you build awareness. Maybe it's actually helping you also make progress towards your goals. It can do those things, but it's also worth starting to take these kinds of ideas uh, into context because eventually counting calories may slow you down. And when that starts to happen, then you need to start thinking about these kinds of ideas. How can I shift to less processed food choices? Again, the more processed a food is, the more available it is, the more you're going to utilize. So the shift toward a less processed food uh, or less processed, processed diet is going to help. And then what can I do to change my meal timing? We talked about timing during the day and then also the timing of which you're actually eating things. What can you add to a meal in order to slow the processing of it down? And then how can you start to eat, eat earlier in the day so that you can support your natural metabolism or your natural circadian rhythm? All right, that was a lot, but thank you for sticking with me on this one. Make sure that you subscribe and share so that your friends can get the good news as well. And until next time, my friends, here's to your success in health and fitness mastery.